It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. And we are back with another episode of the Take Talk Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Whitefield. We got Stephen O'Rourke in first chair as usual, or second chair, I guess. I don't really know. But Stephen, good morning. How are you, sir? Good morning. I am doing great. The sun is out for the second day in a row for what feels like the first time in months. So that's... The past three weeks ever. Oh, it's been brutal. Just sitting in yeah just sitting in darkness constantly darkness rain gloomy nasty so it's nice to see the sun yeah so that's providing a little bit of uh yeah it's put me in a good mood can't complain good good good. we like good mood steve um so today we're gonna talk we're gonna jump into we're gonna continue talking about the playoff picture specifically the middle class of the nfl however before we do that got a couple topics of conversation steve the the New York quarterback tandem of Tommy DeVito and Zachary Wilson have just been proclaimed the week 14 AFC and NFC players of the week. What is your initial reaction to that? I I mean, my initial reaction is, could you imagine telling yourself and people that this would happen like three, four weeks ago? No. You would have been like, you're insane. Or everybody died, and they're the only two quarterbacks left alive because you have left tackles playing quarterbacks for every other team. That's like actually said, close to true. Everyone is dead. <laughs> I mean, yeah. We're getting there. The, like, and it seems like it's a, like a lot of other positions are starting to kind of recover. I mean, there's obviously been some bad injuries, but like a lot of the wide receiver guys are starting to come back, save for Houston and. You know, other positions are starting to kind of recover from, you know, the midseason injury grind, but quarterbacks are just taking a beating and some teams are persevering through it. Other teams are floundering, but I mean, all in all good on my biggest reaction is good on Zach Wilson because like the bouncing back from getting benched saying he doesn't potentially doesn't want to play if that was even true that he had said that or whatever. And then putting out the performance that he had where he genuinely played a good game, like genuinely played well. And they beat up on what's not a great Houston defense. They, they, their secondary still needs some work, but Hey, you play who you play and he performed and he keeps the jets semi alive. I mean, like anything can happen as we're going to talk about here soon. So it's, you know, he put one up for if Rodgers comes back and keeps him alive. So, like, good on him. And then the giant, like, Tommy DeVito, the kid's a, the kid's just a dynamo for storylines. Like, the <laughs> his agent popping on the screen was, I think, one of the funniest moments where you saw it and everybody was like, of course. Like, yeah, that's exactly who his agent should be and would right. be. And why would we ever think differently? Was it a picture of Tony Soprano? I mean, it darn near. It was at least like a, it was a cousin Vinny type situation where yes. it's like, oh, his dad, like he, it, Tommy made it to the NFL and he's like, I need an agent. And his dad's like, oh, well, your cousin is an agent. Let's, let's just call him up. Hold on. We'll hire him. Cause he had like the pinstripe suit with oh, yeah. top the hat, hat and then yeah. the dads, the dads are kissing each other on the cheek and like it, or the agent and dad. Oh, yeah. It's just like the most Italian thing right. that Italians have ever done if they made it to the I NFL. I could see Tommy walking off the field and, and the agent, Mr. Uh, what is it, Stiletto, Mr. Stiletto, holding up the ring. He's like, go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead, <laughs> go ahead Tommy. I put uh, you here, baby. I put you here. You're a made man now. <laughs> it, it's it's funny, crazy. though, because now I, think, I feel like this has polarized – Probably the New York Giants fan, uh, fan base. I have not. I'm not close in oh. with the New York Giants fan base, but you've probably, I mean, listen, we've been in the dumpster before as far as being Lions fans. So we know how this goes, where I'm sure half the fan base is so excited, like glimmer of hope. 
this is great. We love it. Oh my goodness. And then the other half is how in the world could you win that game? You idiots. Now we're going to have to what start Daniel Jones again next year. Cause we're out of the quarterback sweeps. No, no, no. Start Tommy DeVito is the, is the thought process there. They, uh, so Steve, we have the privilege of our local radio station here night. I actually, I won't even say the, the numbers, <laughs> but, uh, their uh their afternoon host who's who's very famous nationally he has a yes. national show with uh with boomer assassin um he's a very italian man and his yes his allegiances are actually to the new york giants so yes. he was on yesterday his father surprisingly you, called the show you were listening too i heard yeah, that I too as i was driving to the gym yeah it is crazy so we do have a little exposure to giants fans thinking here steve That's i was surprised true how rallied they are behind Tommy DeVito. Now this this particular radio host himself is not, but the fan base is like pumped for this guy. They're like, yeah, get the like they would take Daniel Jones to a guillotine right now and 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 just get it over with. Just just they oh, yeah. they eat the dead cap hit. They they just they'd ride the coattails of Tommy DeVito, man. And and Tommy Cutlets is his nickname. So I mean, that's that's great. But DeVito's so let's talk about his play on the field though. Did he I personally didn't think other than that last drive he did anything in that game to really warrant being player of the week? I mean, is this just cuz there really. is riding the storylines here? I think so. Like I yeah, what he had um like 150 passing yards and yeah. 70 yards on the ground. He did I mean, he did have one crucial rush like uh scramble that got him into like, got him to the 1-yard line. Um Yeah. You know, he made some plays. I I think, if anything, it's probably leaning into the storyline and also the other guys that would have gotten it were in, like, you know, like Stafford was in a losing effort. And Dak, I don't know why. Right? Dak, I don't know why they wouldn't give it to Dak, but, yeah. you know, I get it. Hey, you got to capitalize on what's trending and you – they were given a belay. They were given a layup opportunity where they yeah. came back. He led the game-winning drive, which I'm sure that's mostly where this comes in. Is that hey, he did actually he did get the ball down one with a minute 22 left, and he took him down the field, and they won the game. So I'm sure that's what most of it is rooted in. But yeah, I the think throw overall, to Wondell, the high pressure situation was that was a nice throw. Yes, it was. It was completion. That was a that was a nice throw. Probably his best ball of the night. Wasn't, you know. Probably the best ball not like he, he's thrown yeah. so far. True. It's not like he, like, threw him open or anything. It was just a nice, you know, high leverage yeah, situation. Put the ball where it needed to be and, and made the most out of the play. So, yeah, I think it was a, it was a, I think it was like a sail route into a cover two look and he fitted in between the corner and the safety. And the window was it, large. So let's, let's yeah, it was. It was a big, it was a big window, but hey, it worked. So, I'm yeah. not going to – Yeah, I couldn't make that throw. So, hey, I'm not going to sit here and judge too much. Yeah. Oh, Steve, before we move on, I have to I have to just get something off my chest. Uh-oh. So, coming into this season, um, I thought the San Francisco 49ers were by far the most annoying team on the planet. Yeah. Their their mouth, their, their ego, the constant crap talking. Like, I think crap talk is cool. To a certain yeah. extent, when it comes off as whiny and petulant. I hate it, and like that, my hatred for them has grown this year. Actually, um, yeah. But I gotta say, I think the Chiefs might be doing their best to unseat them as the most annoying team in the NFL. Yeah, and I, I hate to be knee jerky about it, but like I have lost a little respect for Patrick Mahomes this week, Steve. I hate to say it. It's it one. A, you want to give the guy benefit of the doubt? He's just having a bad day. But holy crap, man! Let it go. Let it freaking it was, go. It was a tough look. It was a tough look, and I I think that it was a redirection of anger. Of well, <laughs> it's not going to look good if I go after the receivers. If I like, if I go walk over and start reaming them out like this, <clears throat> that's gonna. <clears throat> That's going to be a bad look for me and for the team. So I'm going to take all of this anger that I have, the anger and jest I have toward my teammates, and I'm just going to fire it at this old guy who made the right call in a situation that I wish he hadn't made the right call. I mean, because that's what it comes down to. Kadarius, like, 
I, I, everyone, it seemed, seems like everybody agrees with this, which is good. There are not many people <laughs> that are on the side of Patrick Mahomes, but definitively, 100%, that was an absolutely careless, stupid, dumb mistake by Kadarius Toney. And they deserve to be penalized for it. I like Mahomes can get as mad as he wants. And guess what? You, if he had thrown an interception, he probably would have been pumped and called the penalty, but he didn't. They scored a touchdown on a great awareness play by Travis Kelsey. And it's just like, that's the things like this receiving room can't get out of its own way for the chiefs. It's, if it's not a drop, if it's not a missed route, it's lining up offsides, which is like literally that's all you like. That's all you have to do pre-snap for Kadarius <laughs> Tony is line up in the correct spot. And that's true. everybody who's played football, everybody who's played wide receiver knows that anytime you, you walk up to the line, you turn your head, you point to the ref, you, he gives you the nod you're good. He motions you back. He thumbs down, whatever they do, you adjust accordingly. Like it's not that hard. It's, and it's just, I get the frustration from Mahomes, but I just think it was not, it wasn't directed the right way. And I think that him throwing that, what I'm going to classify as a hissy fit was, it was dumb. And I like, then, then him doubling down on it, like tripling down, like what come on man just that's the thing that bothered me steve it's like okay in the moment you know in the heat of the battle it happens you yell at the ref you whine but then steve he had to be physically restrained from from going at the ref and then he goes up to josh allen and gives him that load of bs which by the way just incredibly poor sportsmanship i hate it yeah degree, degree like josh didn't deserve that like freaking relax and then the post-game press conference he's still mouthing off about it how does he not have one person in his life that's gonna say yo patrick shut the hell up like dude take accountability you guys lost the game holy crap i hate lack of accountability is the number one thing that drives me insane in all of life and yes the fact that nobody looked patrick in the eye and was just like bro let just relax and then andy reed's doubling down on it in the post game he's doing interviews with media people complaining about it i'm like how do you guys not understand yeah. this? Like this is this is mind blowing to me. Like it's a and like the argument of you can't make that call in a high leverage situation. You can't line up wrong in a high leverage situation. Like the thing is, is it wasn't even close. Kadarius Tony had to look backwards to the ball to see where yes. it was. Literally had to look yes. backwards. It wasn't I, like he was looking parallel to the line of scrimmage. He was literally looking backwards. I don't. The, the other funny thing is Jawan Taylor was lined up wrong as well. I know. And they could have yeah. got him twice. So how it's, about that? Which it it's just all it's interesting because I mean I think and this kind of segues into what we're what we wanted to talk about today, unless you unless you had something else oh, you want to bring I up. I just wanted to say Patrick's point about you're you're robbing a Hall of Fame player of one of the best plays of his career, bro. We used to stop. That is the right. worst argument. Whatever, well, dude. That's yeah. <laughs> basically like saying like we should be allowed to break the rules because that was such an amazing play. Yeah, like, like <laughs> excitement level does not like yes. te- teeter on how how or what they're gonna call. Like that's not yeah. how it works. That's not how it works. And Terrible argument. Yeah, I mean, at least this hopefully should put to bed all of the uh, the things of people going around that say that the refs are in favor of the Chiefs. At least that'll at least that should hopefully put that to bed for a bit. Of clearly the clearly the refs don't like the Chiefs that much because they could have not done two that. weeks in a row, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. You know? So at least it put at least it quells that, and you realize that. All right, Mahomes is kind of playing on the same the same playing field as everybody else. He's not that heavily favored by refs. That's what the NFL wants you to believe, Steve. And then in the playoffs, <laughs> it's all a setup. It is all an elaborate scheme to set yep. up a playoff run by the Chiefs. Um all right, let let let's segue now to the playoff picture discussion. Steve, in a 
in a real summarized way of what we're going to talk about. It is crazy, the landscape of the NFL right now. There is no great teams in this league right now. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of yep. a- above average teams. But yep. if you are a fan of any team currently in the playoff picture, you can't feel like you're out of it because every team that's even the ones at the very top, they've all had moments this season where it felt like the sky was falling. Every one of them. So whether yes. you're like the 49ers, for example, they're currently the one seed. They've the only team in the league to clinch a playoff spot so far. They had a, they had, they had a three game losing streak. Yeah. How many Super Bowl winning teams in history have had a three game losing streak in the season that they won? It's very rare. They, yeah. I remember 49ers fans freaking out amidst that losing streak. Proc Purdy looked human for the first time. Um, and guess what? Now they've bounced back. They've won a bunch of games in a row. They've beaten some good teams. Uh, you could go down the list, but like the Cowboys have lost, they lost to the Arizona Cardinals led by Josh Dobbs. What are we doing? They're, yeah. The Lions have played terrible football for a month. Yep. Uh, the Ravens lost to the Indianapolis Colts and a rookie quarterback. They also lost and to the, someone else that wasn't very good. The, and they lost to the Pittsburgh Steelers in like a 12 to 7 game. 17 10. Like yeah. That. Yeah, the Dolphins, there's moments where the Dolphins don't even look like a playoff team. Yeah. But then, then they'll drop 70 on somebody. So it's like the Chiefs, we we can document, we just, I mean, they're having a weird season, eight and five. Um, the Jags have been way up, the complete roller coaster this year. Point being, the Eagles, the Eagles now have tons of concerns. Their defense is getting shellacked. Jalen Hurts is injured. The offense isn't as explosive as it was. Yeah. Point being, every one of these teams has major question marks. If you are in, the playoff hunt and as a fan of one of these teams no reason to panic you're in it (laughs) i mean you are firmly in this any team can beat anyone right now as long as you as long as you get a seat at the table you have a chance you genuinely have a chance it makes me feel like home field is really going to matter in the playoffs yes i always more so it's not like some yes it does but it feels more poignant than ever Yep. Of like being able to have your fans on your side to swing any ounce of momentum in your favor is a benefit to you. Steve, let's do this. Let's um I like on the on the fly here, I'm gonna change the course of this discussion. Let's just go right. through the top teams, including like including that whole middle class as well. And let's just quickly acknowledge what that team's fatal flaw is. Yes. That could kill them. You want to do that? Yep, let's do it. All right, let's go NFC first, 49ers. I'll say their fatal flaws, their secondary. Yeah, secondary. And yeah, secondary is probably the number one. I would say the um gosh, the flu- the fluctuation of Brock Purdy, too, I think is in there as well. Yeah. He's definitely got his feet back under him after a, a really weird stretch, but yeah, but he has. Sure, I mean, he, even this week, even this week, he has one to two, one to three throws every single week that could be pivotal turnovers. And in the three-game losing streak, those went the wrong way. When they're winning, yeah. those don't go the wrong way. And that I, you know, that's that's a dangerous way to live. It's a scary way to live. That's true. And they're still kind of his dropbacks have been pretty limited. I think he had like twenty, what thirty dropbacks this week. I mean, um, if they get into a situation where he's got to throw the ball a lot, you just never know. And in fact, when they were in that losing streak, that's what was happening. Like Minnesota was taking it to him. Purdy had yep. to throw the ball more than he liked to. He threw some really bad interceptions. So that's uh, that's definitely a thing. But the secondary for me, Steve, it's like when, and I probably said this too many times, so we won't dwell on this but when they when the pass rush can get blocked up when they play a team with good offensive line or good tackles specifically just yep. the secondary can't hold up because they got to cover too no. long so it's i think good pass teams the cowboys the lions the vikings the who am i missing here in the nfc the I mean, shoot, the seahawks with the geno smith yeah like those those teams can throw the ball on on uh the 49ers the packers so, i bet i think yeah, if the packers, packers probably could right now too their offensive line is great so yeah, that's that's a good point. I so there's a they're kind of scared of everybody. <laughs> the, the Los Angeles Rams. Yeah. 
Rams aren't currently in a playoff spot, but they're right. They're knocking on the door of one, which I think they, I think they still have to play again. The Rams and the 49ers. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. That, uh, yeah, they might, um, they don't. I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. Cowboys quickly fatal flaw. I lied. They do. It's the last game of the year. <laughs> it didn't load. It didn't load the final game for me, but there it is. Not they used to the loading a week 18 still. <laughs> so Cowboys fatal flaw. I don't know what it is. They probably are the team playing the best right now. League wide. Maybe, maybe it's yes. their, the aggressiveness of their outside corners tend to kill them sometimes. Like as good as Jerron Bland has been, he's also given up what, like five 50 yard touchdowns or something. It's, it's some crazy stat like that. Yeah. I mean, it's funny because he's mirroring what, uh, like, Trayvon. mirroring Trayvon Diggs's uh, big interception. See, the season he had 11 interceptions. It's almost like yeah. identical where he had the 11 picks, but he gave up over like almost a thousand yards receiving or over a thousand yards receiving. Yeah. And so it's it's either boom or bust. Um, I think it's they're being coached that way. Clearly, obviously. Yeah, I think it's just for the Cowboys. It's that their defense looks so good sometimes. Like. Their defense looks so good sometimes, but then there are other times where they don't, and they just there's no consistency with their defense. Yeah, if I they, think the soft in the middle, like if if they play a team that can take advantage of the middle of their defense, whether that's you know uh, a physical run game or a tight end that's really good or a slot receiver that's really good, I think that's where the Cowboys have trouble. They don't have like Jordan Lewis is in a great slot corner. Their linebackers are suspect. Their D tackles are good pass rushers, but they're not good run defenders. So I think yeah, that's it's. Good. Yeah, if, if a team can avoid giving the Cowboys defense those splash plays, the sack fumbles, the big interceptions, the, you know, a lot of pressure, letting Michael Parsons get home. If you can kind of just stay in phase and, you know, weather the storm, not like it's like I said, not give up the splash plays, you can beat their defense. It's just yeah. that those games where they do make those plays, that's when they break it out because their offense is firing out all cylinders Dak Prescott's playing incredible so that they kind of feed off each other if if you let their defense get into a rhythm you're kind of toast but if you can stay hang in there and take a couple punches not turn the ball over I think that you have a chance to put up some points because that's I mean that's how the Cowboys have lost this year is just when their defense can't get those turnovers sure um Lions gotta be their their pass rush pass rush uh, secondary I, I secondary i thought but like the, what we've seen when the pass rush is working whether they're scheming it up or the the four-man rush is getting home the secondary looks fine like the yeah. secondary looks great against the chiefs they look good against atlanta look good against the first packers game um but that pass rush is working in all those games so yeah um, when the pass rush is bad i mean that's true for a lot of teams honestly if the pass rush sucks then right secondary is gonna get exposed but it's like extra true for the lions i feel like yeah yeah probably because their only pass rusher is, is aiden hutchinson they don't have many yeah. other they, they have to scheme it up if it's not going to be him so yeah it's it's the just the depth and the players that they have right now and they're hoping yeah. for reinforcements down the line they they you know they're hoping that james houston comes back and is healthy but right now at the at the current juncture yeah they yep. can't and then the, the and then not only do they not do that they also are they play a little bit undisciplined and that gets oh, them into a lot time. of trouble so it's it they cut they compound their issues yeah i do suspect the discipline thing is something they can fix right now uh, the pass rush is probably not because they're you're not no. adding a whole lot of personnel there so. no. <laughs> uh-huh. No, there's not. And there's no Von Miller coming down the line to help them out. Yeah. Um, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, because they are currently the, the four seed, which is crazy. Um, I would say, what do you think? Offensive line, probably? Or corner? The corners have played bad. You got big names in Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis. But those guys have not been great. I mean, Zion McCollum is playing his way into beating out and in, into Jamel Dean getting yeah. benched right now. He, Zion That's McCollum true. played pretty well. But. I think the Buck. I mean, truly, the Buccaneers is probably Baker Mayfield. Ooh, you think that's their their weak point? If I guess I compared mean, to the other high teams. leverage, high leverage situations, yeah. he's made some he, he's made some dumb mistakes this year. Like you've seen, 
he's played well. He's played pretty well, yeah. but you've seen the same Baker that you've always known and loved. And he makes some really, really dumb decisions and dumb throws. But I think that I think it goes hand in hand with, like you said, the offensive line. Yeah. Cause I think that it's when he gets pressured that. Well, yeah, that's so I think to that point. So they, um, their offensive line, that's why I said offensive line, because like their offensive line doesn't do anything in the run game. <laughs> like yeah. they're you know, before contact really low. Their pressure rate is is decent. It's middle of the pack, but then you realize that they get blitzed less than any team in the NFL, and they're still giving up a, a time to pressure of like 2.5 over the last five games. So I think that's an, a low-key issue. Um, I think when Baker was balling out early in the year, he was doing a really good, good job avoiding pressure, getting rid of the ball, or escaping pressure. Yeah. That's kind of gone back the other way a little bit, the last six, seven, eight games even, and I think that's why you've seen Tampa kind of struggle a little bit more um, but when when Baker's playing well, it is because he's being kept clean. So I think yeah, I think maybe Baker is the bigger issue. I think you're right there. Yeah, because um, he was. I mean, he was like the number one quarterback under pressure to start the year. Like when throwing under yeah. pressure, he was the number one quarterback. And I we I think pretty sure we said it on the show of like that's probably not going to continue. He's going to regress yeah. back to the mean, and he he is and he has. And now, like it's yeah, it's just a matter of can they you know, can they eat those, those um, interceptions, those things? I mean, Mike Evans and having those guys helps, but yep. Baker just, it's, he tries to do too much sometimes. Yes. Um, all right. The Philadelphia Eagles, the current five seed, I think it's pretty obvious what their issue is and that's uh, their secondary. Yeah. They it's can't stop this guy. It has to be, it has to be. And they're trying everything and, Bringing by, yeah, hope, who knows if it changes, but like bringing Bayer didn't help a ton. And it's th- them even more, or maybe not more so than the 49ers, but when they, you're seeing them not get home as much this year. And I yeah. think that has, that changes, has changed a lot for their defense. I think they had that, 70 sacks last year. Yeah, which that like, wasn't, that was never sustainable. No, but seven like their passer still should be better than it is. It's weird that they're, yes. but like when you get seventy sacks, like those are like analytically speaking, those are drive-ending plays. Unless yes. you're playing really bad on the back end, like typically you get a sack that ends a drive. That's just the way it yes. goes normally. Um, that's a lot of freaking sacks. So they are not doing that this year. And I think maybe the secondary is playing roughly the same ish. It's just. They're not in those super favorable, you know, third and sixteens anymore. <laughs> right. Right. Sense. So right. Um the Vikings definitely QB situation. I don't even think it's that's not even a question. Especially yeah. now that Josh Dobbs has crash landed back down onto Earth and is not even starting anymore. Predictably so. Uh yeah. Nick Mullins, baby. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The Green Bay Packers. Um, I think it's their youth. It's just yeah. that, like you, That's you a, saw it. You, you, you really saw it in this game. I, it was all I could think about watching their offense against New York this week. Is you can just see that these are just young guys still figuring it out at times. They're just like mental mistakes, just some simple stuff that slips through the cracks that leads to a drive ending or a dropped pass. Just all of these things where you can just see how young this group is and that it just shines through every once in a while. And like, yeah, yeah, I saw it at the, I saw it really clearly at the end of the game um, against New York. You could see moments where, um, gosh, I forget who it was, but they were just like a couple missed routes, a couple like not being on the same page and, it just, it's, yeah, they just, it was bound to happen. I think a lot of people saw it coming, what they've done to kind of fix it and gel together has been really good, but it's just that they're a young group, a young group of um, receivers. And that's going to, that's going to yeah. rear its ugly head every once in a while. Yeah. And to that point, like Jordan Love, 
he still is pretty inexperienced and we know pressure affects quarterbacks it's it's not yes. it's an equal opportunity offender there <laughs> like pressure makes every quarterback worse but the drop off from love when clean and when pressured is insane like his yeah. passer rating drops off a cliff most of his turnover worthy plays have been under pressure um he i don't want to say he turns into a pumpkin he's not tua but he definitely <laughs> things things get messy for him when he's pressured so that that could you know come to bite them obviously when you get in the playoffs defenses tend to play a little better so um, yes cool uh another quick crazy thing so there's that was all of the teams in the playoffs currently. There's four more six and seven teams in the NFC and a couple five and eight teams. There's only two teams in the entire league eliminated from playoff contention right now. That's crazy. The Carolina Panthers and the New England Patriots. That's it. That's the only two teams eliminated from playoff contention. Yeah. Everyone else is still in play. I think the Cardinals get eliminated this week because they play the 49ers. Um, The commanders technically are still in it. You know, if they ran the table, they're still in it, which is crazy. But it is wild that there's four more six and seven teams all competing for that seven spot, which is currently a six and seven Packers. Anyways, the Rams, fatal flaw. Got to be what? Their defense? Yeah. Yeah. Which started hot, by the way. They started, they kind of carried them early in the year. And then Stafford went through a lull where he was playing really bad. And now Stafford's kind of back to playing good. And the defense is back to playing bad. Yeah, Stafford's starting to light the world on fire a little bit, and you're just seeing that they don't have a lot of dudes on their defense. They just don't. Like, every once in a while, a guy will show up, but they don't have a ton out on the edge of, like, consistent players. With uh, Akella Witherspoon is playing well, but outside of him, their secondary is eh. Like, they can can get beat up. Um, Yeah, just overall. I think that, like, you saw it this week. They got into a shootout. All he needed was now granted the game ended on a punt return touchdown, but which that also listen, the, the Rams are 32nd in special teams right now. So right. that's not great. Not a good look, but yeah, they're, sure. it, it's just shoot getting into a shootout. They can put up points, but that always worries me with Stafford of yeah. all it takes is hit. He has that in him where he just, he tries to get too cute. Sometimes he tries to, fit the throw in that nobody should ever try to fit in ever. And it shifts the game. And with a defense like that, those plays are even are more poignant than the cost. If you have a, a, little good, bit if you have a better more. defense. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Seahawks, I would just say consistency. Like they are so inconsistent. There's games. The offense looks great. There's games. The defense looks great, but they're not playing complimentary football at all. Yeah. Um, you know, Gino, like sometimes he just looks, horrendous i know he's hurt right now but um and then other times he looks he looks excellent the run game is super spotty kenneth walker is yep. like the king of boom or bust that running back charbonnet you know his his efficiency numbers are through the roof better than walkers but the problem is a lot of those carries are coming on third and 10 third and 15 when they're just playing field position so it's like yeah defense wasn't really playing the run there it's hard yeah. to take a lot from that so yeah um, but I, I think consistency is their big issue yeah, I wholeheartedly agree of just they because they have the players like top to bottom other than their pass rushers. They've you, you got to love their roster. Their offensive line also is probably their uh, kind of an Achilles heel as well. Yeah, they've been injured a lot of the year. and I do think they're getting yeah. healthy. So maybe that turns around. But um, yeah, but just yeah, they have big name guys that just sometimes they show up. Sometimes they don't. Who knows what you're who knows what Seahawks team you're gonna yep. get week in, week out. Exactly. Um, let's just hit the rest of these six and seven teams. We'll move over to the AFC. We gotta get moving here. The Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think their their Achilles heel it would be Arthur Smith. Yeah, I was that's I was good. That's exactly where my head was going is Arthur Smith. If if you For don't want to yeah. pick a reason, yeah, you're right. He could be the play calling, it could be the reliance on um, the undercard of players and trying to get them involved. I mean, you name it, you got it. Hardest guy in the room mentality. Now, if yep. you don't want, if you don't like the clever answer of Arthur Smith, I would say Desmond Ritter. But Desmond Ritter is also an Arthur Smith decision, so I'm back to Arthur Smith. Moving yeah. on. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, New Orleans Saints six and seven playing the Giants this week. I think their Achilles heel is 
gosh, I can't believe I'd say this, but is it Derek Carr? Yeah. I mean, they're another team yeah. that's wildly inconsistent, though. Yeah. They, I mean, yeah, they, who knows? I, I, yeah, they're another team. They're six and seven. They're another team where it's like, what what team are you going to get? I think they beat up on bad teams. I don't think the Saints are a legitimate playoff contender. Yeah. I mean, granted, they do they do play in the NFC South. Yeah, they're but, one, they're literally tied for first place, basically. Yeah, it's gross. It's disgusting that there's a potential that two NFC South teams could make it in. But it um, it's yeah, Derek Carr and just dumb mistakes. They're another team that just doesn't they just make dumb mistakes in critical moments whether yeah. it's a drill like drop passes by chris olave uh Derek almost, Carr, almost. Make, yeah it's yeah they just there's no consistency there's no rhyme or reason to what happens it's just and i think i think that's a product of Derek Carr because that seems to follow him where he goes sure uh that's it for the six and seven teams Let's head over to the AFC. Um, the Ravens, they are currently the one seed. I don't know. I don't know that they have a fatal flaw. They might be the and only so team. That's, to... That is the one team, I think. And I, I you know agree. what it is? For me, if I had to pick something, if, like you made me pick something, I'd say their pass rush. They don't have a, a lot of guys that just win one-on-ones. Matabuke does, but he's an interior guy. In their pa- Here's the thing. Their pass rush has been very good in spots this season. So it's weird to point to that, but like the the reality is they do have to scheme it up to generate it. And they're very good right. at it. They, that's what they've always done. The Ravens have always been scheming it up, you know, gosh, since Harbaugh's been there at least, and probably even before that. It's just what they do. It's the defense style of defense they play. Um, but there are games where it disappears for stretches. I mean, shoot, you saw it this week against the Rams. Like Stafford, there were moments where he literally had all day to throw. So um Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, it's just it all. It really comes down to, I like can the quarterback and the offensive line identify what uh, Roquan Smith and Patrick Queen are doing? Because if you like the the games where they really blow teams out of the water, you can tell that the center, the offensive line, the quarterback are struggling with identifying what is going on with Patrick Queen and Roquan Smith. If they're coming, if they're dropping back, what's yeah. going to happen? And Stafford's very good at that. And there are other quarterbacks that they could face in the playoffs that are good at that. And so if you can, if you can decipher what their game plan is, if you watch enough film, if you kind of really get into the weeds of what their defense is doing, you can kind of figure it out. Not a ton, but you can figure it out enough. And that's what it comes down to is it, it really is not even on them. It's just on, do they play a quarterback that can figure out, their tendencies a little bit yeah um the dolphins ah oh gosh their achilles heels a lot of things i think um well right now their achilles heel is um offensive line tyreek heel tyreek heels oh, ankle. Shoot. literally a heel like his, his, his heel is their achilles heel um no I, yeah if tyreek is hurt for a long period then that's obviously their achilles heel but beyond that it's got a like their offensive line's really banged up right now, and Tua does turn into a pumpkin when he's under pressure. So, yeah, um, and their run game will just like they'll just inexplicably go away. Well, they beat up I, that run game has dominated bad run defenses, and it's just been okay against good run defenses. So, yeah, it, it's if they play if they play a team with speed on the edge. They're toast, but if they can, if they can take advantage of teams that don't have a ton of speed on the edge, they beat they beat people up. Yeah, and it's just like so. Yeah, they it to uh, it if the run game stops working, the the whole offense just gets thrown into a tizzy. Like they, it's it's such a fine tuned machine that like one little thing just throws it completely off. Yeah. That's fair. Um, all right, the Chiefs, obvious wide receiver room is a big issue. Um, it's going to yeah, probably be there's... there. It didn't hold them back last year, but it probably should have. This year, it's definitely – they've shown a lot of cracks because of it. Yes, big time. Like, they've actually lost multiple games because of wide receiver issues. 
This yes. week's Tony play a couple weeks ago was uh, MVS yes. dropping uh, dropping a bomb. I know Watson had an end zone drop early in the year that cost him a game. I think, yeah. So I'm just gonna go wide receiver room. Oh, and Sky Moore literally being nothing. Like what? Like I think my gosh, he's what now fifth fifth in your in routes run for the receiver group. He wasn't even targeted this week. Hey, what? Was I he? Think he was once. No, sorry. I was, no, he wasn't. Okay. Yeah. I mean, wild. Like you, you draft again in the second round. You're hoping for a little more than that. So, Rasheed yeah. Rice looks awesome, by the way. He continues to look awesome, but it's one guy they still clearly don't want to pull the train wheels off of him yet, even though he is playing a starter level snap amount. It's just like what they're asking him to do is still pretty elementary in nature. They're very slowly starting to expand his route tree, but it's not. Yeah. It's not happening as fast as you would like in a room that needs anyone right. to win at any moment. Right. Like just With the way that receiver room is and the way he's played, I would fully expect a, a, just a big time breakout coming, but they just haven't been willing to pull the training wheels off. So it is what yeah. it is. There is a big trust component. Just, you know, Mahomes is another one of these quarterbacks who requires a certain level of trust before, you know, he unlocks you. So, yeah. Um, Jacksonville Jaguars. Gosh, right? I, I, is it their dedication to the run game? Could be it. That could be it. I don't. I don't know why Press Taylor insists on running the ball into a brick wall thirty times a game, but it happens. And Gosh. their defenses. Their defense has gotten beat up now two weeks in a row, and that's a little bit concerning. Um, Especially when you get beat up by Flacco and the Browns. That's that's not great. And Jake and Jake Browning. Those are the two quarterbacks oh, yeah. that they got. They got. They got six, sixty-five points hung on them by Jake Browning and Joe Flacco. Yep, that's a tough way to be entering the final month of this month and a half of the season. Yeah, it's true. Uh, agreed. Let's go Browns. Their fatal flaw is probably QB play. I guess Flacco's playing pretty good. <laughs> I don't know. That's a tough one. It's. I mean, yeah. It's got to be like to, to be determined if yeah. Joe because does Joe Flacco keep this up? Who knows? Right. Um. But yeah, I think it's it probably just comes down to quarterback and can you really yeah. trust a thirty eight year old? Is he thirty eight? I think he 36. is thirty eight year old. Yeah, thirty six, thirty six, thirty eight, whatever. He's yeah. up there or up there for NFL players. Um. And can you rely on that? They also just lost Jedrick Wills, right? For the and that off of the line was the already the and that's that is kind of a frightening prospect because their starting group is really good, but when you start to throw in those backups, then the backups aren't as deep, which is the case for a lot of NFL teams. Yeah, but that could rear its ugly head here because I don't think Joe Flacco is going to hit. I don't think Joe Flacco is the guy you want back there if pressure is going to be coming consistently. For sure, and. It stinks too because their offensive line was really starting to gel. The last five weeks had been their best five weeks for sure. Yes, so, yes. Um, Steelers, I'm gonna go. I mean, it's their offense in general. It's just their, their offense. offense. Yes, just their gonna, offense. Yeah, you could go QB. You could go play calling. You could go run game. There's a lot, a lot of issues in Pittsburgh, but offense in general inconsistent. Not a lot of explosive plays. A lot of bad decisions. A lot of weird play calls. Wide, wide receivers care sometimes. Other times they don't. <laughs> yeah, that's probably contingent on who's playing quarterback, I guess, or whatever. But yeah, um, yeah. Colts. But, oh, by the way, the Steelers are the start of there are six, seven, and six teams in the AFC right now. Two of them currently slotted for playoff spots. The rest are all competing for those spots. It's going to be a wild finish in the AFC, but. The Colts are also seven and six. They have really surprised people, especially after losing their starting quarterback. They've been really good with Gardner Minshew. So, um, I think. What do you think their fatal flaw, Steve? I'm not really sure. Yeah, I, I would lean towards saying their secondary. I think that's correct. Yes. I think it's their secondary. They just don't have a ton of. They're really piecing it together, scrapping together a unit, at least at cornerback. Outside of Kenny Moore, it's been kind of a rotating cast of guys uh, yeah. with Julius Brents going out and then Daryl Baker popping in and out of the lineup. Jalen Jones has played well and, st- you know, at least 
for a rookie, he's really kind of stepped up and solidified himself in that unit, but it's their, it's their secondary. Um, Jake Browning was able to pick him apart a little bit this week, and you can see yep. moments where they just – they just they're young they don't have a ton of instincts back there at times and you can see it yeah i dig with that um i've been picking on that secondary in dfs all season long so that i don't know why i didn't think of that right away but um, (laughs) all right now moving out of the playoff teams but still seven and six we got the houston texans look they have a lot of issues i think they started the season really good the cj stroud story is amazing he's been incredible as a rookie they've now lost they're one of their best weapons on offense, which hurt Stroud. Offensive lines beat up. Defense is starting to crack. In fact, the last, what, the last six weeks, that de- defense is lying over 8.5 yards per attempt against them, which is not good. Um, not good. Uh, they're also giving up the sixth most schedule-adjusted fantasy points wide receivers. And I know fantasy points don't equal. Um, that's not necessarily a football thing. But in this case, Point being is that it translates. If you have good wide receivers, you can take advantage of that of that uh, Texans defense. Yeah, so. the math works out. If you're leading in fantasy yeah. points by receivers, seemingly the passing yes. game is working. Yeah. So I, I think if I had to pick something, I would say the defense has kind of gone gotten back to the level we assumed they would be. Remember, this is not a great roster, guys. The fact that they're seven and six is such a testament to D'Amico Ryan's. Bobby Slowick and the GM that's putting all this together. It, it really is. But they're kind of like the Giants of last year where that roster is just poor. They have good players, or I should say they have a lot of exciting young players, and, yeah. and it shouldn't take long for them to be competitors. But right now they're just, you know, these young players, are they're showing their youth, and it's, it's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's exactly it. And, you know, now Stroud is a little bit banged up. Um, Nico Collins got banged up. It just, it, it, yeah, it was a really, it's a really good story. You know, you hope they can kind of finish out strong. It's going to be really tough. It's going to be tough for them, but uh, yeah, it's just their defense, their secondary, the pass rush did goes and comes and goes here and there. It just, their linebacker unit is not the best at times. They can get a lot. They, they get lost with uh, reading flow and kind of falling into they can be faked out and just, yeah. It, and yeah, like you said, nobody expected them to be there. The fact that they're even here right now is a testament to everything they're doing there. Yep. Uh, moving on, the Broncos. Broncos are one of these teams where if they wouldn't have started the season so crappy, they'd be firmly entrenched into a playoff spot right now. They're seven yeah. and six. They're on the outside looking in currently. But, hey, they get a Lions team this week that's not playing the best football right now. Definitely a winnable game for them. Plus the whole Sean Payton, uh, Dan Campbell thing. Like yeah, like Dan Campbell said himself yesterday, uh, Sean's going to come in and try to kill me. Like he wants to embarrass me. Um, Dan, for those that don't know, Dan is Sean's protege. Like that is the thing. Yes. Um, yes. And it's, there's no bad blood there. But just like if you're the big brother, you want to smack down little brother and show him you're still the boss. Show you're, you're still in charge. Check. And unless you're Bill Belichick for whatever reason, but well, what it is is he wants to Belichick wants to falsely prop up those guys so that they get expectations go up, then they get fired, then he just brings them back. Like, hey, I didn't lose my coordinator that long. Anyways, it's all that's an all. elaborate scheme. A sidebar, um, but yeah, the Broncos have turned their season around dramatically. They're playing good on. I mean, they're running the ball decently, probably not as good as they want to still, but it's getting better. Javante Williams looks explosive. He looks physical. Yep. The pass yep. games come alive. The, uh, the the biggest issue for them right now is they can't freaking pass protect, Steve, and that's the that's the fatal flaw for me is the pass protect. Okay, I was, was going to say the run the run defense is up there too. That's, that's still not solidified it's, a bunch. It's being, no, it, they, yes, <laughs> I agree. And what's, what's, what's being helped now is that their secondary has – figured it out they've figured out the unit of guys that they want in there it took them a while but now that they have they have fabian moreau they have patrick Zertan, they've got uh jaquan mcmillian um and then you know simmons back there at safety like they've found their unit in the back end but that front end can still get run on a lot the broncos are weird because their run defense other than i think the vikings early in the year ran the ball against them right am i crazy for thinking that 
Well, anyways, they play when they play teams that aren't great at running the ball. Example: Houston. Um, Houston couldn't run the ball against them. The Chargers this week couldn't run the ball against them. The run defense has been fine, but when they play teams that are above average at all running the football, they get gashed. So it's a really weird dichotomy where it's you can't really point to. It's just been the opposites basically: really good run yeah. D or really bad run D. There's really not a lot of games in between. Um, I do think like. We mentioned this week against the Lions. I think the Lions, especially with the way golf has played, they should come out with like a U of M style approach, just cramming the ball down their throat. I think that would be the Lions' best course of action there. And and history suggests the Broncos won't be able to stop that. So, uh, but I, their their pasture has been awful, though. I think Russell Wilson's been under pressure, the second most in the NFL. Some of that is his own fault. He holds the ball for an eternity on every yes. drop. Out. But yes, they, they also have have some guys that aren't winning their one V ones in pass pro. So. Yeah. And it's like outside of Cortland Sutton, which he's played incredibly well, but outside of Cortland Sutton, you're not getting a lot of production out of the other receivers. You're not getting a ton from Marvin Mims. You're not getting a ton from Jerry Judy. You're getting a lot of like the, as they've been winning more, it's been a lot of big splash plays by Cortland Sutton. And so will that continue? Can that continue? Do do are they able? Is Russell Wilson able to get those other guys involved? Um, that's a that's kind of a it's a big question for me coming down the stretch. Here is you just do teams start to focus more of their attention on Cortland Sutton and say make beat us beat beat us with Jerry Judy and Marvin Mims? <clears throat> yeah. Um, the thing with Judy is he's just he's a middle of the field player. And so Russ is always struggled with that. He's just not going to get involved. I think Judy looks good. I watch the tape. I'm because I keep thinking I missed on this guy. I loved him coming out, and I keep thinking I missed on him. Then I go watch the tape, and I'm like, "Ah, I don't know yet. I still don't know. I need to see him with the QB who's willing to throw over the middle, and and then whatever. But um, let's move on. We got two teams to get into left: the Cincinnati Bengals. uh, I think it's obvious without Joe Burrow, that's that's kind of a death knell. Browning's played good though. I do want to give Browning some credit. I was out, but like I know we just said that the Indianapolis Colts secondary is probably their fatal flaw. But I was just going back uh, this morning and I was watching through all of Jake Browning's snaps um, in the All Twenty Two, and he is getting through his progressions really well. He's really he's good at being patient in the pocket. He does not drop his eyes even with pressure. Like I I was wildly impressed with his pocket presence and his ability to get through his progressions. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about Browning. Um, he's yet another one of these guys, Steve, four year starter in college. He had yep. 1500 dropbacks at the co- over 1500 dropbacks at the college level. So he comes in and you think he's a young and experienced guy. Well, the reality is he's actually a lot more experienced than a lot of the dudes playing in the NFL right now. Four year yeah. starter, 1500 plus dropbacks. I think the recently we've seen like Brock Purdy is another great example. Like he comes in, it's not, it's actually, it, he's not panicking. He's, he's really confident what he's doing. Yeah. Um, I, he looks great. So maybe that's not a fatal flaw. I just think that it, eventually it will be. But I've also said that about yeah. Brock Purdy for the last 18 months and that's fighting <laughs> in the ass currently. So we're good. Um, Outside, like if it's not Browning, let's say he continues playing at this level, which, hey, listen, with their receiver, with their receivers that they have, it's not out of the realm of possibility. And from what I've seen in, you know, the two games that he's played fully, it might not happen, but their defense also can get picked yep. apart. They're, they they can get run on. They Their defense can, their secondary can get picked apart. They just haven't been as consistent as a unit as they had been like last year and the year prior you're seeing i they had and i've talked about it before they had banked a ton on continuity and it's just like at times they just don't have the guys that they need to to make big plays yeah um bills fatal flaw i don't know man like a couple it's, weeks ago, I would have said it was the offense and Josh Allen playing really bad, but Joe Brady's got them back on track. They have identified James Cook as a legit pass game weapon, which it's amazing to me that that wasn't the default position with him when he he's was like fourth, eight, He's fourth in the NFL in yards per route run the last like three or four weeks. Yeah, since since uh, Brady took over. 
Yeah, he's, yeah. he's been excellent. And it's weird as that was his profile coming out of college. It's like he was a pass catching weapon who's going to be just okay in the run game. And that's exactly what he is. But when you when you spread it out like the Bills do, and you want to get the like Josh Allen's playing his best when he's not holding it forever and making yep. bad decisions when he's getting the ball out quickly, and then you set up those big plays, they're at their best. They've identified Cook. I hate saying a running back has moved the needle because I'm anti, I'm, I'm team running backs don't matter. But James Cook has really made a difference there, getting him another yep. option. Now he has Diggs, Kincaid, and Cook that all can play within rhythm and structure. And then for those big shots, you've got Gabe Davis, you've got Deontay Hardy, Khalil Shakir. Things have come together on offense there. The pass protection has been good. Defensively, Steve, their pass rush has come alive. Like early in the year, they were struggling. Their pressure rate's up to 37% on the year. Really solid number. They've had to blitz more than they normally like to to get to that number. I think their blitz rate's 24%. I think last year they were down around 10. They blitzed fewer than any team in the NFL. But it doesn't matter. Eventually, as long as you're getting the pressure, that's all that matters. The pressure rate's up. Secondary, as banged up as it is, is starting to play a little bit better, Steve. Like we're seeing, Von, we're seeing some things happen. I Von Miller. In the, AFC. in the AFC? Like if you were if you are, let's let's just pick a team, not not the Ravens. If you're if you're the Dolphins with the two seed and you're catching a seven seed Bills, are you freaking just terrified of that matchup? Horrified, especially considering they beat. I mean, well, that the, again, this is another one where they have a matchup down the road here in the That's last true. couple of weeks. But, I mean, what? The, uh, the Bills beat them 40-23 earlier this year, and that yeah. was with, you know, still it trying to figure all of this year. out. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, a big thing is I think Von Miller's finally fully healthy. Like there's, there's been and not catching charges apparently. <clears throat> there's been just some of these guys that, with the way that injury recovery has gone and yeah. how fast some of these guys come back, we expect them to be at full strength right when they step on the field. It's like true. if you're back on the field, you should be at full strength. That's not the case, and you've seen it. You're seeing it really with Von Miller a lot. Is that he got injured in Week Nine last year? He's barely a year removed. He got injured on Thanksgiving Day last year. He tore his ACL. We are not. We are now just over a year removed. The man is thirty-five, right? And he's just. I, it just took him some time to recover, as it does from ACLs. And I just think that he's finally healthy, and that helps. I mean, that helps their entire defensive line. That make that allows Ed Oliver to come alive. It allows Rousseau to be their second pass rusher, who I think he's. He's much better as a as a complimentary guy rather yeah. than your ace pass rusher. Um, Epinesa is making plays now. Like it just, I think that now that he's finally healthy, it just changes. It, he's one of those guys that just completely changes the complexion of that defense. He, he keeps, yeah. you know, now now I think teams are going to have to focus more more on Von Miller, which frees up their linebackers. Which, if we're really going to get down to it, their linebackers are probably. The worst unit on that defense, but hey, if you can keep linebackers clean, most NFL linebackers can play really well. And so I think um, that yeah, they're they're really scary if Josh Allen doesn't turn over. If Josh Allen is playing in phase, they're a terrifying team. To your point about the pass rush getting healthy, the last five weeks their pressure rate has gone up. Let's see, they're at thirty, almost thirty nine percent the last five weeks. Their blitz rate has dropped under twenty percent the last five weeks. So they are, so they're getting more pressure with less guys. That's actually really impressive. Um, I think that is exactly what you've uncovered there with the health. Epinesa developing, Von Miller getting healthy. Maybe it's their run defense then, Steve, because teams can run on these guys. Pretty yeah, much at that, that's true. They're maybe one of if the, you had to pick a fatal flaw, maybe that's it. Maybe it's their run yeah, defense. They are one of the worst run defenses in the NFL, but. When you have Josh Allen, that's okay yeah. because if your team, if your offense can put up a bunch of points, you can you can negate a team's run offense by just scoring the them out of the game. That's the way and we've actually seen them have success against heavy run teams. Miami tried to do that when they played them, and, and the Bills ran yep. them off the field. So, um, yeah, it's funny they they get gashed by teams that do, they're the exact opposite of the Broncos. They get right. gashed by teams that have really bad rushing um, offenses, but they they shut down good rushing offenses, which I guess is a kind of a good way to live because a lot of playoff teams aren't going to have bad rushing offenses. Yeah. That's a good point. 
All right, we have to get out of here. We are 30 seconds until we hit the hour mark. We try to do these shows in under an hour. So with that said, Steve, let's get out of here. Yep, let's you do it. Let's, let's get out. All right, we'll be back next week, um, hopefully with some more awesome playoff insights. Got a lot of fun games coming. Three games on Saturday, so that's a lot to talk about. Yes. That'd be cool. Yes. Um, but with that said, guys, enjoy the week. Fantasypoints.com for all the cool stuff. We are out. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.